You're listening to the Uncensored Direct Marketing Show. This show is designed for direct response marketers who want raw, unfiltered conversion tips and secrets to scale their offers profitably to reach their next million. I'm Maria Sparagas. I'm the founder of Direct Paynet and your host. Now let's dive in. Welcome to this week's episode of Uncensored Direct Marketing. Today, I'm speaking with Pauline Longden. Pauline started her career as an army nurse and moved on to copywriting 10 years ago. She pursued several mentorships to be able to perfect and master her craft. Pauline is a force to be reckoned with in the direct response copywriting space. We discuss how she sets her rates, what pushed her to change careers, female versus male copywriters, as well as her top tips for finding the big idea in her copy. I had so much fun talking with Pauline. She shares such valuable information for junior and tenured copywriters, as well as a few special tips for my female listeners. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I loved speaking with Pauline. As usual, please comment, like, subscribe, and share for great weekly content. Now here's today's episode. Hi, everyone. I have Pauline Longden today on Uncensored Direct Marketing. Uh, Pauline is my first female guest and the first person I thought of when I thought of having a female on my show and a powerful woman um, that knows her stuff. So I'm going to let Pauline give us a little introduction and uh, tell us a bit about yourself, Pauline. Okay, so I am what I call an emotional direct response copywriter and marketer. Um, And when I say emotional, that's not because I get emotional. It's because I can actually tap into the emotions of the person that I'm writing to. And uh, that's one of my superpowers. Um, I was an army nurse for about 14 years and uh, before I got into business and I got to the rank of major, but then uh, ended up with getting burnt out and ended up with depression. So got out of the military and basically got into business. You know, someone said, I'll build it and I'll come. And then I, so I built it and no one came. So had to go on this journey of marketing. So I started out as a marketer and then I tried to get someone to write copy for me um, and then no one could write copy for me. So I ended up being a copywriter. So that's how I ended up on this um, this path right now. I've been a, a dabbling copywriter for 10 years and I've been a professional copywriter for about the last eight years. I think it's nearly eight years in a couple of months. Wow. So. That's amazing. So what what made you go? How did you get the skills going from, let's say, nurse, uh, army nurse to becoming a copywriter? Like, how did you train to become a copywriter? Yeah, so I, I just did the normal, like the course, you know, route where you just do every course that you can. And at the time, um, when I first started copywriting, I was kind of limited. And it's kind of not not really only by my mindset, because you only know what you know at the time. But there was some like, big name copywriters in Australia. And so I did their courses, but, and it's funny because every time I did their courses, they say, okay, so just say in copywriting, there's like 11 herbs and spices. So I go, okay, cool. So I do the basic course. I'm going to get so many spices and I do the advanced course and the intermediate, you know, all that sort of stuff. But every time I, I like ascended up in their courses, I was getting the same four herbs and spices in different orders and that. And then I'd say, but what about the other five, you know? And they go, oh, five. You can tell I'm a word nerd, not a numbers girl. That's not five, is it? That doesn't even add up. That's hilarious. <laughs> but anyway. Um, I get you, I get you. Yeah, you get me. Anyway, the, the moral of the story was they weren't giving you the 11 herbs and spices. They would just give me rubbish all the time. So then I um, decided to go outside of Australia to, you know, um, level up my copywriting abilities because like what I what I am I'm pretty astute anyway because what I worked out was these guys were learning from someone yeah and it's like 
why go to like a little foothill of a mountain? Let's just go to the mountains where these guys are getting their information from. And then I've got this funny um, kind of uh, mindset is that, you know, if people are going to stand there in front of me and say, you know, you're only taking 10% of what you learn, blah, blah, blah. And then I'm like looking at them and I'm going, well, if you learn from that guy, you only learn 10% and I'm getting 10% of your 10%. This yeah. is really horrible. It's not adding so, up. <laughs> yeah, it's not, yeah, so it's not even adding up. You're the number girl. <laughs> so then, so then um, I just went, you know what, I'm tired of this. And so I spoke to my partner. I said, I want to start going to America and just finding, finding out what's I'm not being taught here. And as soon as I got out of my own backyard and started going to the mountains instead of waiting for the mountains to come to me, um, my whole trajectory just took off like out of out of control really it's been amazing i know for a fact that you know not only are you persistent but you know you're also you mentioned that you were emotionally an emotional copywriter but you're not an emotional mm. person so how do you mentioned that you did some some financial offers and so forth do you find that emotional is good for every type of offer like supplements i know supplements you have like weight loss stuff is pretty important to get yeah. into the emotion but how about every other type of offer like financial stuff or anything yeah so um what i what i do and and um i've kind of developed my own thing and i mentioned this at the copy accelerator event and i'm i'm I've been doing it for years, but it finally dawned on me. I should share it with the world. But you know how um, when we do our research, we've got demographics and psychographics. I I kind of started to do this thing that I called emotiographics. So what I what I do when I do my research, I'm actually looking at the emotional like loading of why people have done what they've done, like reading behind the lines, like people will tell you what they want you to hear, but why are they actually saying that? What, what's going on in the background and usually that's linked to some kind of emotion but also it's um I think emotion is very important for those kind of things because um where emotion comes in and a lot of people don't understand this is that people have emotional reactions to companies like um when I was writing my recent financial promotion um the guys were saying yeah yeah we're like gonna we're, we're like the uber of of hedge funds and I said <laughs> But what if people don't like Uber for a start and because of the sexual harassment stuff that happened years ago oh, and yeah. then people turn, turn their back on them? So I said there's an emotional loading there that I don't want to go near. And also the other thing is that, um, you know, like saying that you're the Uber of something to like multimillionaire and billionaire investors, uh, did they use Uber? No. Well, why would you compare yourself to Uber? Like that's stupid. Yeah. But yeah, so the more, the more the thing was that I wanted to um, say there about the emotion is the emotional loading that people have on certain things. And like, um, if I'm writing to Americans these days, um, like writing American copy, uh, a word that I used to love using all the time is you know this this program, this product, this whatever trumps everything else on the market. I don't use the word Trump anymore because as soon as you use the word Trump. Trump is like a, a word uh, copy liability in the fact that you can't control the emotional um, imagery that that person has just gone on. Like oh, wow. some people love him, some people hate him. It doesn't matter. I just avoid the word because I can't control at that moment the, the imagery and the, the emotional thought that the person or the emotional experience that they're having linked to that word. So that's what I'm saying about emotion graphics are really um, quite powerful and I'm going to be putting them into a, a course that I'm co-doing this year. Oh, 
That's amazing. Mm -hmm. No, I mean, I didn't even think of that. But I guess if you use the word Trump for something that's very right wing, it might give you the the emotion that you're looking for, right? It might. But, you know, even then, you know, okay, so you and I, I would normally say, yeah, that's true. But think about this, Maria. If you say Trump and they're right wing and they go, oh, man, that guy, he, they stole that election and they did this and they did that, they're in their head. They're not looking at your copy. So you've yeah. actually taken them away from your copy. And that's why I say you've you've started a, an emotional kind of like imagery and memory where you can't control that. So they've, they've gone. They've, they've left your, that's um, true. your copy. Yeah. You don't want, you don't want to take that away and you don't want to get people to be thinking anything that other than what they're reading. So that's, I mean, the, there's so much this it's, it's, I find copywriting is just another form of art because I don't think oh. of these things, you know, specifically, but when I am reading and now, because I'm in copy accelerator and I, I'm around yeah. a lot of copywriters, I pay so much attention to little things that, you know, how the art of copywriting and, mm. um, and, and actually talking about Copy Accelerator and, and you know, the fact that we're both in it. I heard you speak at Copy Accelerator. So that's why I invited you on my show because I loved your talk. It was just, it was entertaining. It was fast. You were just talking so fast. I was like, oh my God, I want to write everything down. I want to record this and listen to this again. And one thing you said that really... Um, just, it made me chuckle and it just, I don't know, it just caught my attention. You said, I don't write with my vagina. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's like my, (laughs) that's one of my more popular lines. I'm known for that. (laughs) um, That's amazing because, you know, it's, it's sometimes when you think of copywriting and you're writing, let's say a weight loss product, people are like, oh, well, maybe it should be because it's for females. I should get a female copywriter because it's, Mm -hmm. you know, so what are your thoughts on like, you know, now you're writing financial, which to me seems like more hedge fund. It seems more like a, a male oriented niche. How, yeah. how are you able to kind of navigate that and, and convince, I guess, the party that you're writing for that you're the right person for, for what, whatever it is that you want to do? Yeah. See, I don't, I don't necessarily see gender in, in copy and, and especially as copywriters. I mean, um, and that, that was something funny that did come up in that talk. And that was actually a very spontaneous thing that I said. Um, because like it's, it's quite funny because in the copywriting world they'll say oh you know there's these uh, top 10 um, copywriters and then there's the top 10 female copywriters and it's yeah. like well why can't we be in the t- just top 10 general copywriters why do we need to have like um, some kind of qualifier in front of our name why can't we be like up there with the males and because it's not the top 10 male copywriters like it's just seen that the standard is that they're males and that the females are unusual yeah and it's fun it's funny because when I first started copywriting and I wanted to make my big break in Australia I I said to um uh, one of the big marketers out here I said um he said oh what do you want to do and I went I want to be a copywriter and he get don't get your hopes up um females don't make good copywriters and I just went oh okay that's interesting he goes yeah I've, I've I've seen a lot of female copywriters come and go and they never really make the grade or lust distance and I just went okay but then actually you know like to tell you the truth when I looked around Australia at that time there were no female copywriters of any note and in fact there weren't any real fabulous male ones either so when I actually went to that Titans of Direct Response um, course uh, event though um, there was heaps of female copywriters there and the A-listers and all that and I just went holy shit I'm like in in like you know this amazing place but then what I see within the industry is like even um someone the other day um on my Facebook wall he thought he's complimenting me he goes oh you're my favorite copywriting 
writress or something like that. And it's like, why do you need to complicate it? Why do you have to add letters and shit to it? Like, I'm just a copywriter. And that's why I, I just so, no, articulately say, I don't write with my vagina and you don't write with your penis. Like, um, and, and the funny thing is that years ago, um, I was invited to speak at an event over in Poland and um, I got to write the sales letter for the event. And uh, so I wrote it. And the guy that I wrote it for, Trevor Toecracker Crook, he's a, he's a, you know, traditional Aussie guy, you know, a bit rough around the edges, but, uh, you know, he says it as it is. So I wrote the copy for him and um, basically uh, no one knew that I wrote it. And so it goes out into the world and everyone's backslapping. Oh, Trevor, great letter, you know, fantastic man. Like you, you know, no wonder you, you, um, you're an A-lister, blah, blah, blah. That, that letter is like fantastic. And then like Trevor to his, um, you know, to his credit said, uh, guys, that wasn't me. I, I haven't had time to write that copy. I actually got someone to write it for me. And they went, oh, yeah, who's the dude? Who, who wrote it? And they went, he said, oh, it's actually a, a woman. It's Pauline Longden. They went, oh, wow. Like, fuck off, like that kind of attitude. But the funny thing is, Maria, is like um, a couple of years ago, like because um, I, I modelled that whole um, letter off the Titans direct response letter. The guy who wrote that, Roy Fur, basically wrote that letter as kind of a bit of an unknown. And then he just like was catapulted to fame because he wrote that letter. So I had in my mind, oh, this is going to be my big thing. I'm going to write this letter. I'm going to speak on the stage. Roy didn't get to speak on the stage because the event was ridiculously like overloaded with awesomeness. Yeah. So, but I, I got to speak on Trevor's stage. So I wrote the letter, I got to speak, and then crickets after it. It's because, oh, a chick wrote that. So, you know, yeah, pretty good job. But, you know, whereas um, some of the guys that I've told about that, they said, you know, that should have been your your ticket to the moon and beyond, Pauline. Like, yeah. I can't believe you didn't get more more out of that. And I said, <laughs> that makes two of us. But um, it doesn't matter because I, I guess um, something that happens when you're a female, and it's funny, when I was in the army, we had the same thing. It's like you have to work twice as hard to be half as good. Yeah. And so um, although you've got you wear the same rank, you're doing the same thing and everything like that, and in the military, thank goodness, you're getting the same pay. But, yeah, you have to work extra hard to get that promotion. You have to work extra hard to get that recognition, you know, that they'll just, like, hand out medals. Here you go. Have a medal. Have a, have a medal, guys. Female, she's standing there. It's like, oh, no, we just, no, no. It's I like, completely what? agree with you, Pauline. I have the same, yeah. the, the, I started, I started my business in my late twenties. Um, mm-hmm. That was only five years ago. No, <laughs> <laughs> you've done a lot in that time. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Um, I started my business in my late twenties and uh, you know, I was quite young and I always had, like, I looked even younger. Like I just had this yeah. like very kid looking kind of about me, but you know, I had quite a bit of experience and I was pretty confident in my material. Um, but I did find when I was going to the affiliate summit, especially in like 2008, 2009, like those years was like, there was very few, few, there's, there was less than like 5% women there that were actually yeah. business, like for business, there was a lot of females that were there, but mostly like they would get the females to like model. So like the men would be attracted to the different booths and stuff like that. Right. And mm-hmm. I always, I always came across the same thing. It was like, I, you know, at first I was taken for maybe somebody who was just like 
an attraction to a booth or like a, you know, somebody who can foot in the door, like salesy. Um, mm-hmm. I, I got told a hundred times, like, why don't you tell your boss to give me a call on Monday and like, we'll, we'll figure out the details. Um, yeah. I got told so many of those things. And I, I agree with you so much that you had, I had to work so hard for people to take me seriously when I was yeah. starting. And I was like, but I'm, you know, I'm honest. I know what I'm doing. You know, I mm. ran the merchant accounts for the biggest adult entertainment company in the world when I was like yeah. 23. I know what I'm doing. I've been doing this for a long time. And still there was this like bro kind of um, imagery yeah. and, and, and you know, they'd have a couple of drinks and I couldn't, I couldn't participate in that. But then I was like, you know what? That's okay because I don't need to get everybody to be my client. And when mm. they're done getting drunk with all these people and they really want to do business, then I'll be around. And I will I will be the non-drunk one there and I'll be ready to to take over the business. But I mean, I'm I'm happy that you were able to because right now, although you went through all these trials and tribulations, like I, you know, I hear you speak and I hear the projects that you're working on, and it's it's amazing. You know, it, it doesn't matter how you get there, it's you know, it's it's the the, the journey's yeah, it's the journey's great. And then when you finally get to a certain level of success, it's like, well, you know, you had to, you had to get shot down a couple of times so you can make sure that you have that resilience and that you're, you're there, you know? So, um, but something about about you and I though, like we're not, we're not going to be flying. Like I am a feminist, right. But I'm not one of those like bull breaking men hating feminists. I'm like, I just would like women to get a better go than they do. Okay. Um, especially when I see males that are, you know, maybe they've only just started copywriting, but there's a female that's been writing for two years or maybe three, five, six years. And these young bucks are getting opportunities before the the women that are actually yeah. more qualified and probably more passionate. It's just that the bro was there telling a sob story or telling some kind of thing and it just hit people the right way so there is a bit of the bro thing but on the same you know let's flip the coin over you know that first uh, copy accelerator event that we went to there was one speaker and uh that was Alison Carpio now the funny thing about that was I had um I had just come home from Poland being the only female speaking at that big event over in Poland you know and I was speaking with some of the industry greats you know like Drayton Bird uh Trevor Crook, Bond Halbert, um, John Carlton, Caleb O'Dowd, some really big names of the industry. And but you know what I got called? I got called the token taco in the sausage fest, right? But you know who called me that? Females. <laughs> oh my Did gosh. You know Whatever, like, you know, and, and I'm, and I, I, um, there's a group that I'm in, you know, of female copywriters, and it's like, you know, we're our own worst enemy. Here I am, I'm, I'm doing something that's quite amazing. Alison Carpio is doing something that's quite amazing. Yeah. It's actually like we've, we've earned our place onto that stage. Like, Trevor didn't have to have me on the stage. In fact, he had like five other guys he could have had on that stage, but he had sure. me, not because I'm a female, because I freaking earned it. Um, Alison Carpio wasn't on that stage with Justin and Stefan because she was a female. It was because she freaking worked hard to be there. So yeah. this is the other side of the coin that I wanted to talk about with females. It's like, yeah, I'd like to see women have more opportunities. But And I said this to Justin um, at the beginning of last year. He said, oh, what do you think about having more females on the stage and I said only if they deserve it I don't want a female up on the stage just because she's like you know you don't need a um, token female you just need somebody who knows what exactly. the hell they're talking about <laughs> that, that comes yeah that comes back to like um speaking it comes back to like you know how I feel about female copywriters it's how I feel about every copywriter I don't care if you've got an innie or an Audi. do your freaking <laughs> job 
do it well and be remunerated or be appreciated for the for the value that you bring, not just because you're a dude or you're a dudette. Like just and but there it our, our industry does have a long way to go because there is a lot of disparity. Because as I said, that letter that I wrote for Trevor should have been my meal ticket for the rest of my career. But um here's a good thing that happened though. If if that if that had have happened, I probably wouldn't be where I am now, which is a pretty fine place to be. So yeah, exactly. Everything works out as it's meant to be. Yeah. There you go. And and you know, you did touch upon something. Um, you know, just kind of hammering this this female talk, just because I'm curious. You know, you've been in the space, and we we're a little we're veterans, I guess, in, in comparison yeah. to some of the newer people. Is that women are having? I find have a harder time giving a price and collecting. Yes. And, and, Mm -hmm. you know, and that's something I struggled with as well when I was doing consulting. Um, And, and then once I think maybe in like 2013 or something, I did some course for one of my clients and I really went and and trained his whole team and Mm -hmm. talked about everything about, you know, all these different ways of like increasing conversions by by using payments and stuff like that. And, And, you know, I charged him. I'll be honest, I charged him 10 grand, which was quite a bit of money, but I didn't know what to charge him. And I said, I'm just going to charge him 10,000 because I have no idea what the hell I'm doing. I just, but I'm flying there. I'm staying there for four days and coming back and it was 10 grand. All right. Sounds like a nice number. Finished the whole course. He looks at me straight in the face. He's like, Maria, you just, you charged me $10,000 for that. So I was like, you know, he's like imposter syndrome. Oh my God. He's figuring me out. I don't know what the hell to do. He literally goes to me, you could have literally charged me four times that and it still would have been worth it. Wow. And I was like, mm. so can I change the invoice now? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just wait a second. <laughs> Hold yeah, on. I know, I know. So, yeah. That's where I kind of learned that, you know, I yeah. know a lot and, and, you know, and it's, it's, and females, I find just have a harder time discussing money and being comfortable around money. And and that's one thing mm. that I try, at least in my circle and in, in my friends, it's like, you know, if, if that's what you think you're worth, then, then go for it. Why, why should, you know, why are you afraid to say that it's a hundred dollars an hour, or $50 an hour, or $200 an hour? It's, it is what it is. You know what I mean? And yeah. go with yeah. it and try to, and, and make it happen, you know? And, and, um, I, I met a couple of people from Copy Accelerator, um, and one thing uh, who was it? It was just like a younger copy guy. He's like, you know what, Maria? I love that you love money, and I'm like, yeah, I love money. Why wouldn't I love money? Everybody loves money. He's like, yeah. I think he was so surprised by the fact that I'm a woman. That's just like, it's cool, man. I like to buy good shit, and I want to make money because I know what I'm doing. So yeah. it's it's you know, how, how do you find your journey when you're 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 talking money? Like, I mean, I'm sure now it's it's much easier because of your experience and 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 your yeah. track record. But at the beginning, how did you find that interaction of like, like, what do I ask for? How do I ask for it? Like yeah any tips for our female writers listening yeah good um good comment I mean I grew up in Australia where we have this hideous thing that we call the tall poppy syndrome and so that's basically when people start to grow up and then some just cuts them down and um it's kind of like puts you in your place and so um when I came into the copywriting world I was legitimately trying to work out where how much I should charge and and these um Older veteran copywriters in Australia are going, oh, yeah, you're getting too big for your boots. You're going to ask for too much money. And it's like, you know, um, don't ask more than me. It's like, well, if I'm asking more than you and I'm not asking for a lot, then 
there's a problem. You need to up your prices. I'm not going to stay below your price just because you're an idiot. So there was kind of that that coming into that. It's like, oh, she's too big for a boot. She's asking for so much for a, a sales letter. But then um, something that happened to me, and um, I, I'm a mentor for copywriters, right? So and this is something that I, I, I've got for them. I say, I want you to put together a list of what you will and won't do for money. And that way you've got like your health and respect and your ethics right at the beginning of your copywriting, right? So I've got that. But they always laugh when I say, for instance, like my number one on my list is that I won't be disrespected by a prospect or a client twice. And they laugh and go, well, why would you even do it the first time? And it's like, well, that was a surprise. Um, if I let them do it, then that's on me, right? Yeah. So where, where I'm going with this is like years ago, I submitted a, a, a guy wanted um. A, a double webinar funnel from soup to nuts, everything like from ads all the way through to, you know, thank you emails and all that sort of stuff. And so I, um, I looked at it and cause I wasn't not very com- com- comfortable with myself, confident in my pricing and value. I, I said, okay, so it's going to be 17 and a half thousand dollars for both. I'm going to do it in a month, blah, blah, blah. Let's get it going. And so he counted my proposal and he said, oh, I'll only give you 12 grand said, well, what parts don't you want me to write? And he goes, no, no, all of it. I said, well, why did you drop the price? And he just wouldn't say. And I just went, okay, so I don't know what's going on. But um, and then all of a sudden some, he, he said something and something tri- triggered in me and I went, ah, so let, let me ask you just this very simple question. Would we be having this conversation if I was a male copywriter? And he said, no. Oh, he was honest said, about okay, it. Yeah, yeah. Nice. And I said, I said, well, you know what? We're not having this conversation anymore. Go and find yourself another copywriter and happy trails. Good luck for you. Anyway, so a month later, um, he he came, um, you know, crawling back and he said, I haven't been able to find another copywriter. Can you please write this for me? It's urgent that I need it done. I said, he said, I will, I will pay the full amount today. And I went, well, actually, that would be a 50% deposit because now the price has gone up. And, and that's if you could buy my time because I don't want to work with you ever ever again and so people will say to me oh that's okay like you know you walked away from seventeen and a half thousand dollars you know it's all right for you you're a big time blah 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 I did that in my second year of copywriting wow yeah and and you know I, I didn't say before but you know when I went to that um uh titans of direct response copywriting yeah. thing I actually borrowed money from a stranger to go to that event so there was some very lean times but something that's why I get my copywriters to um, when I'm mentoring them to have their list of what they will and won't do for money, what they stand for and what they stand against. I want to know. And then the, the third thing that I get them to um, talk about is their unshakable why. And I'd be happy to share that with you in a moment if you want to, because I think having yeah. an unshakable why um, gives you that resilience and um, relentlessness when you're going for goals that life just won't get in the way. But yeah, so, um, so, with um, advice to female copywriters about valuing yourself, I mean, just just imagine what the guys are doing. Like I had a mentee that I'd mentored for about a month and he wasn't even a copywriter. He wasn't even a copywriter's wet dream, to be to be honest. He was had no talent. <laughs> and after that, um, he said, oh, I've just been um, asked to do a sales letter for someone. And I said, oh, how much are you going to charge? And he goes, I'm thinking $8,000. And at that stage, I was only charging like 5000 And it's like, what? <laughs> Like this guy's gonna, uh, this guy's gonna like, you know, it's, it's almost like the guys have got this attitude. Let's just throw some spaghetti at the wall and yeah. see what sticks. You know what women do? We we uh, 
throw spaghetti at the wall, but first we boil the water, then we make sure it's hot enough. We put some salt in the water, then we put the, the spaghetti in. We're making sure that it's cooked perfectly, and then we sit, throw it up against the wall. Guys, I don't give a shit. They just throw spaghetti up against the wall, even if it's uncooked. They don't give a shit. They just, they've just got this, like, ballsy yeah. attitude. Women, just throw your bloody spaghetti up against the wall, whether it's cooked or not, and just see what happens, you know. Yeah, no, I I completely agree. And I think that women do undervalue themselves. And there are a lot of men also that have, you know, the imposter syndrome and feel like, you know, that, you know, feel like, you know, they're just trying, they have this like exterior that's like tough, but then you get in there and they're like little scaredy cats and stuff like that. We all doubt ourselves. And I just find that, you know, just my experience. And when I deal with women, I, I, you know, I, I, I don't hire women specifically or not specifically. I just put an opportunity out there and whatever yeah. happens, happens. Um, and I do find that, you know, like right now I'm actually, I was interviewing um, just recently and I got a couple of male candidates, a couple of female candidates I actually went with a female. She's, she's going to be starting soon. And, you know, so much experience, uh, so, so much, you know, different stuff. And, and the men who had less experience and didn't know what the hell they were talking about, were asking for more money. And I mm-hmm. was like, man, like, I don't know, is it, is it like ingrained in us or something to like, not, you know, like, is it in, like a female gene that kind of just doesn't, I don't know. Yeah, it's, I don't it's, know what it is. Um, but anyway, moving, moving on to a topic that I actually really want to ask you about, because you mentioned you, yeah, you, yeah, you yeah. do, you do packs and you do different things. I mean, there's email copy, then there's, um, there's ads, you know, like Facebook ads, like copy for the ad, there's mm-hmm. a long form sales letter, then there's packs, like you said, maybe that are mailed. How did you get to be good at almost all of it like how did you how does do you find that you got good at let's say long form and then you were able to kind of learn everything else or is it just something that you specifically are good at and then you would maybe recommend for other copywriters to to stick to one lane yeah so like I I I think um my my I've just pursued the the um my passion of just writing really great copy like you know people um will I think they'll get themselves into a niche or niche, however you say it. But um, so they'll get themselves into, into a niche really early um, and people go, oh, oh, what do you specialise in? I went, writing really awesome fucking copy that converts. Like <laughs> that's it. You know, I don't have to call myself a direct response copywriter or a conversion copywriter or whatever. Again, I don't like having the qualifiers around what I do, but, you know, I just write really great copy that converts. But the thing is that I think if you understand the principles, the foundations of copy and, and what it takes to be a great copywriter, write really great copy, you know, to tap into the emotions of people. I think you can write anything, whether, so whether that's a Facebook ad, which I write really good Facebook ads through the emails. And I've got a weekly email that I send out and um, people seem to love it. They sit there as soon as it's sent. Like there's people that sit there and open it straight away. So that's a good oh, sign. Nice. Yeah, and um, and so and then um, all the way through to long form copy, and I, I think really, at the end of the day, I'm never intimidated by the type of copy, um, that I'm writing. It's just get in and do the job, you know. Like, um, you need the same kind of elements in a in a traffic driver email as you do for a long form sales letter. You just have less space. Um, 
Summarizing is hard though. You know what I mean? Like I find on face, like a Facebook ad, what do you have? Like 10 words to get somebody's attention. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. how, how do you, I I know with longer form copy, especially if there's like a VSL attached to it or whatever, you can maybe have somebody's attention a little bit more, but like what, what's your tip for writing something small? Like where, let's say a Facebook. Yeah. Well, you just said something interesting about long form sales letter. Although you've got more room every word on that page has to earn its place there. It's not that you can just fluff and puff your way through to like 10,000 or 12,000 words. In fact, if you fluff and puff to that, then that's a problem. Like something that Paris teaches us, and this comes from Gary Bensafenga, um, who I just met recently and I've been having great little email conversations with the nicest guy on the planet, right? But um, he says you need seven times more of whatever you're doing. So you need seven times more... um, you need seven times more research than you, you know, like if um, to to get what you need, you need seven times more copy. Like so Paris will write 700 bullets to get 100 great bullets. Wow. Um, so, you know, if you've got a, a 10-page sales letter or whatever, then you're writing seven, 70 pages and you're culling it down. Every word has to earn its place, whereas most people will go, oh, I need to, um, 12,000 words I'm just or 10,000 words I'm just going to bump it up to to get it out there and they're they're filling it and they're plumping it but a, a great copywriter is going shit I only need 12 12,000 words and I'm 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 stuck at 20 what else can I call here so oh, wow. and so that so that's what I'm saying is like you still need to and what I call it I call it putting people into an attention trance anything that's in your copy that detracts you know like gets them off that grease slide as joe sugarman would talk about needs to go you can't have ejector buttons you can't have corrugated like you know tin or anything in in that you can't have any rough spots can't have any like emotional black holes it all has to be so nice and tight that it's like a cocoon it's like a copy cocoon that like embraces people and they just like sit there and like all the cat videos and everything around the world that's going on around them those crazy cat videos it's like (laughs) Shit, that kid wants some food. What? No, I'm in this copy cocoon. I'm reading. Shush, you know, kind yeah. of thing. So, okay. So, getting back to your question. So, um, so whether I'm writing short or long, when I'm starting out, I'm starting in the middle of the action. It's like you know, um, some people will start with, you know, um, in the hedge fund world at the moment, you know, in 2020 and 2019, investors removed blah, 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 amount of amount money and put it into ETFs and blah, blah, blah. It's like, whatever, like. (laughs) Get to the me too of it. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's it's like. I need you to coach some of the blog writers I I, I hire. (laughs) I swear to God, they're always like, we have 1500 words and they're writing like 400 of them about like what the industry is about. I'm like, but we're targeting people who are in the industry. They know what it's about. Why are you like, I don't want to read about what, you know, uh, a dating site is. I'm a dating site owner. So just get to the fucking point. <laughs> like, yeah, that's it. <laughs> so that, well, that's, that's the lesson. Get to the fucking point. <laughs> yeah, get to the point quickly. I mean, there's nothing about wrong about telling them about what's happening in the industry. Yeah. But once you've got them, like you don't, you know, think about like your website, you know, before the fold or before the scroll and all that sort of stuff. And with your, with your, um, with your Facebook ad, that's like that first bit of, um, copy is the real estate that's going to drag people in, you know, they're not on Facebook to, to read your ad or look at your shit. 
that they're just not. So you need to give them some reason, like yeah, and you can't just rely on you know like that bait and switch or clickbait because then you're training people that you're full of bullshit. So next time they see your ad, they go, ah, oh, yeah, no, I'm not falling for that I was again. Tricked, yeah. No, I mean all for it once. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, it sounds like you know what you're saying is try out a lot of different copy and and it's all kind of the same thinking and and so forth. So that brings me to my last question and mm-hmm. because now it's it's culminating to this question cuz you yeah. you you brought all this information. What is your why? You mentioned oh, you know you yeah. have that why. What is your why? I'm glad you did circle back to that cuz I'd hate to finish this without talking about the why. So now I used to have a why and it was to do this and do this and like but none of it ever happened. I'd make these hairy audacious goals and they just didn't happen. And I'd, I'd kind of followed the why program, you know, um, being a uh, Simon Sinek like convert and all that sort of stuff. You got to know why you're doing it. And, but just life got in the way and I wouldn't be doing it. But then one day I was just sitting there and I'm, I'm quite spiritual. So I'm kind of like just thinking to the life and universe and um, I call it in quite contemplation, deep, deep thought. And so I'm sitting there and I, I just went, okay, so what, what is going on? My why doesn't seem to be happening. And um, it's because your why is outside of yourself. What if you were your why? And I went, what the hell are you even talking about? And so what I, what I um, started to realize is like, I've got some amazing friends with amazing whys like one wants to have an orphanage in india one of them wants to go to thailand and take 100 sex workers off the street Mm. Um, other people have got these you know amazing things want to set up schools in africa and remote areas in australia we've got indigenous people that need help too but every time i check check in with them every year for the last five years you know trying to keep them accountable saying what happened oh yeah life got in the way um i got sick Mm. or something else happened blah 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 and then i actually worked out that all of those external whys, it's um they can be outsourced. Anyone can do them. Like, you know, you could set up an orphanage in India. Why why wouldn't you if, if you had the means, you know? And so yeah. then that kind of negates mine. But then what I worked out is that okay, so when I when I got that guidance of like, what if you were your why? And I went, yeah, well, whatever. That sounds very selfish. But then I had a, a bolt of blue like thought one day, and I went, what if my why is me twenty years from now in the future? And I'm doing it for me. And so I've got this thing, I want to be a trust fund retiree. I want to just be living the life, you know. I'll work if I want to work. I'll be a philanthropist. I'm happy to give money away. But my needs have to be met, met first. I, and, and also here's the other thing, Maria. If, if I don't exist, then there is no life. There is no me. There's no ripples. So what I realise in my pond of life, I have to be that ripple and then the other ripples, I can look after the other ripples as they go out. Like, But I can't look after my family as a ripple if I don't make the ripples in the first place. So I am my why. I, and, you know, that's not just an any why. I call it my unshakable why. So my unshakable why is the thing that gets me out of bed in the morning. Um, in Like tomorrow morning at um, 3.30, I'll be up out of bed for my Paris call at 4 a.m. I've been doing that for the last four and a bit years now. Wow. Um, I've only missed a couple of calls um, out of like my dad got sick last year and I was a red hot mess. But um, so I do that. And why do I do that? Because... If I don't do 
what I need to do now, then that woman in the future suffers. And my God, that woman deserves to have a good life because she's put up with me all her life. You know, I've made some really <laughs> dumb decisions. I've done some silly things. I want her to have like healthy choice decisions, you know, like she can, you know, buy an island if she wants to hide away from the world. She can ha- have a yacht, whatever. I don't care what she wants. You know, she can have it because she's not going to want for anything. But you know what, Maria? No one else can do that for me I can't outsource that why so for me it's unshakable and also the other thing with my unshakable why the shiny object syndrome just like disappears because all I have to say is does this opportunity take me towards that trust fund retiree that's like living the life drinking rum smoking cigars in Key West whatever she's doing I don't give a shit as long as she's enjoying life or does it take me away or does it make no impact if it makes no impact and takes me away, why the hell do it? So when this opportunity came my way, Maria, I looked at it and I went, is this going to take me closer towards my trust fund retiree me or is it going to take me away? And it was a resounding, mate, it's going to take you so close to it. It's not funny. Do it. Even though it, even though it scares the absolute bejesus out of me, like I, I sometimes I just look at the, the, um, mammoth size of this that I'm, I'm doing and I'm creating with this company and I just go it scares the shit out of me and what if I fail and it's like but what if you succeed now that'd well, be a story that, that's a better on. question that's a better question what if you succeed uh, I like better questions so that's my unshakable why you know like people say oh my unshakable why is my kids I go yes but no no because your kids are a ripple but you know like if you're not there Maria who looks after your little one it's like yeah. That's why you have to be your unshakable why. And it's the thing that will make you go that little bit further than everyone else who goes, yeah, my why is looking after, you know, this. It's like, yeah, anyone can do that, but no one's going to look after you as much as you look after you. I I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. My, um, I have a friend of mine who has, uh, who has three children and, you know, her life is always about her kids. And it's like, I have to do this for the kids and stuff like that. And she's exhausted and, and so forth. And I actually had this conversation with her quite recently, which is timely that you mentioned this. I said, mm. you know, like on a plane, if the plane's going down, the first thing mm-hmm. they tell you is you got to put your mask on first. Cause if your yeah. mask is not on, then you can't help everybody else. So make sure you take care of yourself and make sure you are, you know, well in order to, to, to be able to help everybody else. And I try to do the same thing for myself. I'm not Mm. super successful at it just yet because I I work a little bit too much, but, um, you know, I, I try to always keep that as well. And, if I'm not good, I can't be good for my son. I can't be good for my family. I can't be good for anybody. That's right. So that's it. Um, you know, it's yeah. it's I I I love that that it's you and it's not it's not selfish, which is the important thing. It's not a selfish thing to say. I got to take care of myself. I'm not feeling you know or whatever. I need to do yeah. this. And society, you know, we're getting into an existential conversation, but society, you know, looks down upon people who say, "I have to take care. I don't feel well. I need to do something for me. I need to, um, yeah. you know, yeah. uh, help myself in some way." So I'm, I'm, I'm really glad that we, we, we went through that, and that you said that, and and then also the fact that it's not, it's not necessarily about money. It's like for me, you know, I. I've been doing this for, for a really long time and I'm doing well. Um, you know, things are good. I can't, I, I find there's a certain level of money that you get to that. Not that it doesn't matter how much more you have, but nothing changes. 
You know yeah. what I mean? Like nothing changes. Like, what am I else? Going on? I have my car that I like. Cause that was yeah. one thing about me. I was like, I wanted, I wanted my car. I just really wanted my Range Rover. I just, I had to have yeah. it. I got it good. And then, you know, yeah. my house is the same. This I have the same friends. I wear the same clothes. I just, it's not, you know, I like wearing tights yeah. and t-shirts. That's just, it's yeah. not going to change whether I bought them from old Navy or, or whatever. Uh, yeah. you know, it's, it is what it is, but, um, you know, it's, it's, it's the, the important thing is to think of your why and to think of, you know, for me, it's, it's similar. I think I, th- I have a similar goal to you, which is I want to be able to have the freedom later on to be like, you know what? I'm going to go golfing for a month. Yes. Just, just whatever. I, I want to go hiking yeah. in, in the Maritimes in Canada, or I want to go, you know, stuff like that. It, and it's just to enjoy myself, to make the world and life better. Cause I will, you know, hopefully share the wealth with other people in my journey and, and help other yeah. people and so forth. So um, yeah. I'm really glad that you, you shared that with us and that you, you know, you, you trusted us with your why. Uh, and it's important for all writers and, and just everybody in business to have that. Cause that's what makes you successful when you have, you know, a light at the end of the tunnel, what you're working for. Um, yeah. So Thank you, Pauline. This was really awesome. I'm really happy that uh, you were my first female guest and there's going to be many, many more. Um, awesome. And, uh, you know, for everybody listening, if you want to get in touch with Pauline, you can come through me and we're going to have some uh, information in the show notes of how to get in touch with Pauline. Thank you so much, Pauline. Have yourself a good, I think you're a good day and I'm a good night now. Uh, yeah, <laughs> so, so take care of yourself and thanks again for your time. Thank you. Hope you found today's session valuable. If you have any questions for me or just want to connect, please feel free to visit my website, mariasparagis.com. That's M-A-R-I-A-S-P-A-R-A-G-I-S.com. I'd love to hear what you're working on. So drop me a line on any hot button issues your business is experiencing. And remember, don't worry about failure. You only have to be right once. 